WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 45, all about the Siege of Gondor, chapter 4, book 5 of The Return of the King, being the 45th part of That's What I'm Tolkien About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by Haley Simkus of Brandy Lane Publishers and also one of my, I don't know, common room mates or whatever on the restricted section. I don't know if we've actually, yeah, established like a name for the group. Yeah. (laughs) Like I I think Christina said book club. Yeah. Book club members. There we go. Yeah. Fellow book club member. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Yes, Haley. Haley is back for a doozy of a chapter. Holy cow! Oh dang! Oof. I don't think I realized. Like, it's also kind of on the longer side compared to how these chapters have been. It was a little over twenty pages, mm-hmm. but it was also one of the only times thus far in this series slash book, whatever, that I was like. I, I'm turning the page to find out what happens next. I'm reading. I want to sit here and finish this rather than like, oh my God, another page about landscape, another page about horses. Yeah, or- no, like the writing of this chapter is so drastically different from like most of the rest of the series. Like the sentences are very short. You get a lot of repeating phrases, especially towards the end. Like it, this is the chapter where you read it and you're like, oh, right. J.R.R. Tolkien literally fought in World War One. Like, like you've got the trenches and the siege lines and like the, the building dread throughout the days and like the brown murk in the air. And like, you can taste his trauma. It's really Oh my God. Up. It's too accurate. There's what, there's one point where I was like, Tolkien, I, I think you, you need to go talk to someone about your you're projecting my trauma here because this is this is intense even for you bud but yeah it's it he he does a really good job of like setting the tone and the mood for this where like it all feels kind of hopeless like you feel like almost trapped with them like the most messed up part is that this whole chapter is from the most innocent character's perspective oh like it's all from pippin's perspective it opens with pippin being like what time is it is there breakfast yeah like yeah and then it ends with the friggin witch king of agmar like it's messed up oh my god like you've just got little baby pippin like he's not taking it seriously at first and then as the days go on it's like the way that it's written, it's almost like it's delivering a report. Like, there's every day gets a paragraph of, like, and then the dread got worse, and then the dread got worse, and then they got more bad news, and then the dread got worse. And Pippin's just sitting there, like, what is happening? Yeah. What is going to happen? Am I going to be okay? Oh, Pippin. That's a great, that's a great thing to point out that it's, I don't, I don't think I like connected those dots of it's from the perspective of, yeah, I would say the most innocent naive of the characters because even mary is a little bit less i don't know naive than pippin is like mary mary's just a little more of a pragmatist and i think that like like my perception of like kind of the way that tolkien projects on his characters is that like the two that he i think identifies the most closely with are probably pippin and faramir like he he always kind of uh associated himself with like the Took family like he actually thought that like his he was actually incorrect in this, but um, 
he had a theory that his surname, Tolkien, was cognate with, like, the same word that the word for fool comes from, um, So, which is where, like, the whole fool of a yeah. toque thing is. So, like, he really identifies with the toques. Um, and I think he really identifies with Pippin because he kind of he kind of saw himself as being sort of a fuddy duddy like nonsense person, which he kind of was. Um, and then Faramir is like Faramir. I've always read as like Tolkien at war. Like I think that Faramir is sort of his like his projection of like what I what use I was during the war, what I was like. Like I contributed as much as I could, but I really had no business being there. I'm a scholar. I'm supposed to be a scholar. I was doing my part, I was doing my duty because I felt strongly that I was supposed to, but really I should have been in a library. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So as you already said, Pippin, when he wakes up, he asks Gandalf what time it is. It's two in the morning, I'm assuming, because this is past the second hour. Um, And he has been called to Denethor and Pippin goes... And will he provide breakfast? And Gandalf goes, no. <laughs> He's like, here you go. I've provided breakfast. This is all you're going to get till noon. Pippin looked ruefully at the small loaf and he thought very inadequate pat of butter, which was set out for him beside a cup of thin milk. I love this. Why did you bring me here? He said. <laughs> you know quite well, said Gandalf, to keep you out of mischief. And if you do not like being here, you can remember that you brought it on yourself. Right off the bat, just like Pippin's at peak Pippin and Gandalf is at peak Gandalf. Yes, I think that they're both peak themselves around each other. Like they, their dynamic is absolutely hilarious to me. Oh, I, lo- I just love the... <laughs> Why am I here? (laughs) (laughs) This place sucks. They don't even have food. And Gandalf's like, yeah, they're rationing because they're at war. And also, like, you made a massive mistake, you dummy. And I saved you. And you should be lucky to even be here at all. You are lucky that I'm talking to you right now, and I'm only doing it because there's no one else to talk to. Shut up. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Gandalf is so done in this whole chapter. I love it. I love it. And, like, he has a right to be. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, um... So they report to Denethor, and Denethor is like, so, Pippin, what... Uh, what abilities, what talents do you bring to the table for this war? (laughs) And Pippin's like, just... I can sing. I mean, the songs that I know probably aren't appropriate for the situation because all of our songs are happy and usually they're just all drinking songs. And that's just like wildly inappropriate for this context. But I can, oh man, I can sing anyway. It's like a reverse job interview. It's like you already have the job and then they're like, all right, so so what are you going to do for us? It's like, I have no qualifications and I'm sorry. Yeah, he has zero qualifications. Maybe you should have looked at my resume before accepting my oath of service. Um, but that's on you, my dude. Right. Um, like Pippin would have a resume. He has a CVV. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Denethor is like, that's okay. It's all right if your songs are a little more lighthearted than uh, fit the situation because we need we need some cheer right about now. And <sighs> also, what's weird is that like 
Tolkien wrote this part where Pippin's like, yeah, I can sing. And Denethor's like, great, you can sing for us. And then in this entire chapter, there's no song. I was amazed. I was expecting for there at some point to be a song like he does in every single other f***ing chapter in this book. And there's no song in the chapter where he wrote a situation where it would make sense for there to be a song. Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. He no, is this, an this chapter's way too dark. Like that's how you know this chapter is dark. That's how you know that like shit's about oh, to yeah, get real. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that he didn't do a song again. Like this chapter is so so different from every other one. Just everything about the style. So uh, Pippin goes to. Oh, Denethor sends him off to. I guess watch duty i think and he's yeah like, he sends him off to yeah he sends him off to like get um like his uniform mm-hmm. i guess they have like a teeny tiny uniform for him yeah um, their little and, baby yeah. uniforms it's like this this yeah. is a child small but i guess it'll work for you <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then he has him start guard duty question mark i know right just like a side note so so pippin was like kind of relieved to be able to go out and go to duty because it says for pippin felt imprisoned indoors and i'm like boy you don't know the half of it right now we are (laughs) yeah yeah how how you doing with that mc you don't understand i have made a lot of TikToks, is how I'm doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of puzzles. A lot of puzzles. I've that's, got one of a blueprint right now. It's Yeah. We have a but, we have a completed puzzle sitting on our table right now, but I didn't do this one. My my roommate did this one. So I can't take I can't take any ownership of this. Although that's, that's fair. I do pride myself. Uh the past couple times that she and her boyfriend have been working on a puzzle, I come out of my room. And they're like, oh, we're missing, this happened twice. We're missing an edge piece. And I look at the pile of pieces and I'm like, within a second, I'm like, here it is. And then I place it in, a, in the last spot and then I just walk away. And I'm like, okay, that's my superpower. That's, yeah, that's no, the I've only got the thing same, I can do I've, here. <laughs> I've got the same thing with four leaf clovers. I can always spot a four leaf clover. So that's what we bring to the table in a yep. war, in a war situation if Dinothor yeah. asked us. Like, yeah, be- be, being ourselves under siege. So That's what? what I've so got. what can you do for Gondor? Well, I'm really good at finding the edge pieces of a puzzle. <laughs> I'm great at finding things. I'm a finder. I'm not a Hufflepuff though. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. I'm about as far from a Hufflepuff as they get. I'm cusp. I was gonna say. I was like, I can't remember if you're Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. Oh no, I, I definitely fall on the side of the claw. But I mean, there, there's some puff elements in my personality. I won't deny it. I get it. So <laughs> then as Pippin is standing there over watch, he has this moment where he's like, wow, how did I get here? That's incredible. <laughs> he has like an out of body experience of like, that's crazy. That I'm just like just sees a, himself in. <laughs> I'm a hobbit, and I was in the Shire like a year ago, and now yep, nope. I'm probably gonna die fighting for Gondor. What the? F- <laughs> just sees himself in like the context of the situation, and is like, "Oh, I am ill-equipped. I do not belong here." Freeze frame. Yep, that's me. I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> 
literally this entire chapter, that's what he's thinking. Oh, Pippin. And then he's talking to Baragond. Baragond is there. They meet up again and they're talking about like, wow, this seems like really dreadful and impending doom. This is awful. And Pippin's like, yeah. And the worst part is that I'm starving. Fair. He says, I'm not used, Master Baragond, to wait, which I believe that is Tolkien. No, it's not him splitting the infinitive because the infinitive is too waiting. Is to wait. It just said, I read this sentence over and over because I was like, this sounds weird because it says, I'm not used, Master Baragon, to waiting hunger, hungry on others while they eat. And I was like, how would I have put that? No, it's very roundabout. But It's a very roundabout phrasing. It's not grammatically incorrect, but it's like right on the edge. But it's also like doesn't sit well with me um okay i can't harp too much on like weird grammatical things because so much happens in this chapter honestly there's also a good chance that this episode might be split into a part one part two situation so (laughs) that's fair we've got a lot of ground to cover like without moving from the yeah like we've got a lot of ground to cover and we never leave the city oh that's true yeah (laughs) then as there's their uh guarding the city i guess or watching um it happens oh snap here they come it's all going down now there is a shuddering cry it was the same that he had heard long ago in the marsh of the shire but now it was grown in power and hatred piercing the heart with a poisonous despair oh snap it's happening y'all here come them boys we about we about to have a battle and they look down and they see yeah. there's a bunch of black riders, as Pippin still calls them. Nazgul, Ringwraiths, black riders. Tolkien was like, I don't want to pick one name for these. Tolkien's all about like kennings, which are like a like an old school thing where like everything has at least a couple of indirect names. Mm-hmm. Like an old like an old Norse kenning for the sea is like Water Road. Ooh. Because you get on a ship and it's like a road, but it's on the water, yeah. but it's the sea. Like, and again, stodgy old linguist with a particular interest in like the mythologies of Northern Europe. Of course, he's going to abuse the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. And he does that with the Nazgul king. Also, mm-hmm. like Lord of the Nazgul, the Dark Lord, the Dark Captain, the, king of Agmar. the Black How many Captain. Dark Lords do you really need? Yep. The he he has twenty names for this one guy, and I was like, I'm assuming that's like that that's the Ring Wraith King that we got a glimpse of yeah. in Two Towers. That's the uh, that's the dude who actually um stabbed Frodo in Book One. Like Is he, it? he's like the chief of yeah, it's the same dude. He's like the chief of the Nazgul. He's like oh, the worst one. Well, I missed that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. I mean, it wasn't like explicit in Fellowship, but like it's it's that guy. Okay. Like, there's only nine no. of them, but he's he's like the he's the uh, the queen bee. Then the more the more you he's the Regina George. Yes, evil takes a human form. Um. Yes. Oh, and then <laughs> I laughed at this. Baragon gives a god awful commentary of what's happening down below in the fields because <laughs> yeah, so all these black writers come in. And they're chasing 
Faramir's crew, army, whatever. I think it's just a crew at this point. And they're like all dead. Oh, wait, no, he left them at, he went them, he, he sent them. He sent them That's to right, yeah. Askeliath. Yeah. Yeah, there you um, go. So Baragon is like, <laughs> says, um, Faramir, the Lord Faramir, it is his call, brave heart. But how can he win to the gate if these foul hellhawks have other weapons than fear? But look, they hold on. They will make the gate. No, the horses are running mad. Look, the men are thrown. They are running on foot. No, one is still up, but he rides back to... It's like back and forth like that for a full paragraph of like, oh my God, they're not going to make it. Oh, wait, I think they're going to make it. (laughs) I'm just hearing it in like a football commentator's voice. That's what I literally wrote. But they're running on foot. No, one is still up and he rides back to the others. That will be the captain. He can master both beasts and men. Ah, there are one of the foul things stooping on him. Help, help. Will no one go out to him? Faramir! You sound like the commentator in The Legend of Korra. There appear to be masked members of the audience wielding strange devices on their hands. One of them is in the booth with me right now, folks. He is leveling one of those glove devices at me now, and I believe he is about to electrocute me. I am currently wetting my pants. For whatever sport it is that they do. Oh, I can't remember what the name of that thing is, but they have like the matches. Hey there, you don't need to tweet at me. I have since learned that it is called pro-bending. That is the the phrase I was looking for. Whenever I try to do an announcer voice, I immediately devolve into like a 1920s radio commentator. And that is exactly what they were going for. So you're not wrong. Yeah. Oh, man, side note. I'm so excited for Avatar The Last Day Brander to hit Netflix. Bro. I'm so hyped. Oh my god. I'm so hyped. It's like the closest thing to hope I've felt in so long. (laughs) I'm I'm so excited. Cause I don't I don't even know if I've seen all of the episodes. I feel like there's a cup there are a couple here and there that like I missed. And I'm I'm excited to watch through it all and be like, oh my god, they were so little and wholesome. And then I'll and then afterwards I'll watch Legend of Korra and I'll want to die a little bit because it's so much bleaker yeah. and depressing. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a lot of feelings about Legend of Korra. Don't get me started right now. Well, what, what are your feelings? Uh, my feelings are that the production was nerfed and that the uh, story could have been a lot better if that had not been the case. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The seasons were very short. I think the last one was only ever released online. I think that the reason for that was partially uh, due to M. Night Shyamalan's fiasco and partially due to the fact that it was a brown female main character. Um, And Nickelodeon decided that despite the fact that the original series is one of the most perfectly told stories ever made in any medium, um, that no, it just won't sell toys. Uh, So they gave them shorter seasons and uh, wouldn't tell them that they were going to renew for the next seasons until very late. So they had to keep trying to wrap up every season in a self-contained thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I have a lot of opinions about that. That's why the first season, the first season feels very much like this was supposed to be a one season thing. They came in, told this cool story about this guy, the equalist or whoever, Amon. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because now you got me started, Nipsey. (laughs) I told you not to, and now we're here. So the last, like, two, three episodes of the first season of Legend of Korra is, like, all exposition and flashbacks. 
but you can tell from the way that like the f- most of that season was set up that they were planning to extend a lot of that into like a season two and then like just they wouldn't confirm them for a season two while they were doing production for season one and they were like well now we've got to wrap up this whole story in season one and then they keep having to come up with new self-contained arcs for every season when they could have had like a whole extended thing with like introducing the red lotus and like getting the airbenders back and like the whole (sighs) (laughs) okay okay we will return to this at a later date who knows Um, the production team did the best they could um god i don't even know where i was oh we were talking about baragon being a commentator that's how we went there um (laughs) so uh (laughs) faramir's team makes it through the gates in time oh because Oh, I love how Tolkien will, like, he tries to disguise the fact that, oh, it's Gandalf all the time. Wait, we know it's Gandalf. They'll be, they'll be like, oh, a mysterious figure shining in white light, riding on one of the fastest horses ever created, appeared. Who could it be? And saved everything. And it's like, it's, it's Gandalf. And he does it twice in this one chapter. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. obviously Gandalf. We know this. You only needed to let's, do that once, Let's just okay. be like, oh, look, it's Gandalf. That's all you got to do. Account- MC, stop expecting Jerry Randall Randall Tolkien to economize with his storytelling. He's not going to do it. So, (laughs) yeah, so Gandalf shows up, saves the day because Nazgul starts swooping down. And right as it's about to, like, get Faramir and everyone, Gandalf shows up, shoots him with a beam of light, which is just, I think, once again, Tolkien being like, magic. Yeah. Like that just general magic. Yeah. No, like there's there's like a whole theory about this of like hard versus soft magic systems. Um and like Tolkien's magic system is considered like the softest of the soft where like basically the distinction is that like a soft magic system or is where it's like magic exists but like not the way that you generally think of magic. Yeah. It's more like influence over nature type stuff, and it's really never specified. Yeah. Whereas a hard magic system is more like like there are distinct set rules and mm-hmm. consequences for if you break those rules. Right. Yeah. 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 He keeps it vague so that he can just do whatever the hell he wants to do with it. Essentially, you're not wrong. So, um, Faramir and everyone come running into the tower. <laughs> And he, see, Faramir sees Pippin and he goes, he's like, what? A halfling? How the heck did, like, I thought I met the only two that had left the Shire. And then Gandalf comes in and goes, he came with me, but let us not tarry here. There is much to do and say, and you are weird. So I love that Gandalf is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a hobbit. He came with me. Like, long story short. Let's just get in there and start talking about how f- we are. Okay? Let's just... Yeah. We've told this story a million times about how the hobbits yeah. left the Shire and blah, 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 blah. We don't have so time much of for like that. The, so much of like the new character meetings in this whole series are just people being like, I've only thought you existed in stories. What the mm. hell are you doing in real life? Yeah. <laughs> like anytime someone meets a hobbit, anytime the hobbits meet an elf, like it's a whole thing. Yeah. So... They go in and sit down and they have like a really intense conversation where I was like, good God, Denethor, that's yeah, your no, I think, son. 
<laughs> I think the first time that I was on your podcast, we talked about how Boromir was going to make sense when you met Denethor. This is what I meant. This is the exact scene that I was referring to. I still don't think Boromir really makes sense. Like, I don't think Denethor helps explain Boromir. Because it's, it's the, pr- I mean, see, the it's- thing is, is that my thing is that I would understand Boromir a lot more if it was the reverse. If Faramir was the favorite and Boromir was the one that he didn't like and he put all this pressure on him to be part. Like, so, anyway, so Faramir and Denethor are talking about like what Faramir's done about and Faramir was like, oh, I said, are you okay? You're looking around. Oh, no, I just. <laughs> I, I smell a disturbance. Oh. <laughs> like, I was like, are, do you, is, there, is there a ghost? What? No. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. So Faramir updates Denethor and says, I sent pretty much all of my men to Osgiliath to help fortify that and strengthen that area because I think that's our area that we need that like if that part falls, we're, we're screwed. And Denethor is basically like, God, can't you do anything right? Even though th- that's, I think that was the right move to send no, here's your the thing. forces so, to to Denethor isn't pissed about Faramir sending his men to Asgiliath. He's pissed because Faramir just got to the end of a story in which he let some random hobbit wander off into the mountains with the Ring of Power. Like, that's that's what Denethor's pissed about. And like, the whole thing with, like, the reason that Denethor kind of favors Boromir, because here's the thing, I stan Boromir specifically for Faramir, because Faramir loved Boromir, so like that's good enough for me, because Faramir's my boy. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing with Gondor is that, like, here's what Gondor is bordered by. The sea, a desert, fantasy Nebraska, <laughs> Rohan, and a country of evil, like, that's ruled by an evil, immortal eldritch being that has a grudge against them specifically, and is content to just chip away at their kingdom over the course of centuries, and, like, no one has been helping them this entire time. So, Boromir gets sent out from Gondor to go and, like, discern the meaning of this weird dream that he and Faramir both had. And he turns up in Rivendell, and everyone's just sitting there talking about, like, their lineage and how great they are. And he's like, great, where have you all been? Because, um, yeah, we've got, like, two cities left, (laughs) and, uh, the evil wizard is still trying to kill all of us. Um, and that's, like, the one weapon right there sitting in front of us that could maybe possibly destroy him. Just throwing this out there, maybe we should use it. And everyone else is right in saying that, like, no, you absolutely cannot use it to kill him because it's just not going to work. Yeah. But you can kind of see where he's coming from because, like, over the course of centuries, Gondor has gotten very insular just because they're under attack all of the time constantly. So, like, yeah, Denethor puts a lot of pressure on Boromir And, like, Boromir usually lives up to his expectations. And now he's just got Faramir, who's kind of a nerd, and hangs out with Gandalf, who Denethor doesn't like, because because Gandalf knows more than him. Um, So now you've got this very awkward, like, family reunion. mm -hmm. I would say, uh, that's like putting it lightly, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, like, when your dad straight up tells you, like, I wish you had died instead of your brother. Like, oof. (laughs) As Faramir is telling Denethor, like, oh, I sent all these people to Osgiliath, what do you think of that? Denethor Denethor is like, how dare you ask whether or not I approve of your decisions? 
Like, what do you need? Are you a baby? Do you need me to coddle you? And how about ask Gandalf what he thinks about your decision? Yeah, and then um. Oh, and he, yeah, and he's also mad because he can tell. He says, uh, I can see and hear, as was my want, and little of what you have half said or left unsaid is now hidden from me. So, uh, uh, and I know the answer to many riddles. Alas, alas for Boromir, if what I have done displeases you, my father, I wish I had known your counsel before the burden of so witty a judgment was thrust on me. And, um... Ascent and oh yeah, and then he's Denethor is like, oh, why wasn't Boromir here? And Faramir goes, do you wish then that our places had been exchanged? And Denethor straight up says, yes, I wish that indeed. For Boromir was loyal to me and no wizard's pupil. And I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, like it was one thing in chapter one of this book when Denethor was telling other people that he wished Faramir had died instead of Boromir and that he loved Boromir the most. But like, it's another thing to just straight up say it dead in the eyes like, of your son. Two is his, like, to his face. Yeah. And like, and Faramir, to his eternal credit, claps back because he, he's like, hey, uh, do you remember when I volunteered to go to Rivendell? to talk about the dream that I had first and Boromir had second and you said that I had to stay and Boromir had to go because um, <clears throat> I remember that. Also, Faramir's been off in Athelion. Uh, sure, yeah. that's how you say it. Um, he's been off there fighting. You know, mm-hmm. that's not nothing. It's it's not like, oh, Faramir is the screw up. It's literally like he's just, he's doing everything right and Denethor is like, God. Why did I bring you into this world? <laughs> I love Faramir oh so much. He tries so hard. Uh, well, what what's funny though to me is that I almost interpret Faramir as just being like done with Denethor and being like, okay, look, I get it. You don't like me. I don't like you. We'll just accept that. And we'll just accept that like, I am the screw up child. I get it. Okay, moving on. How do we, you know, move forward with this war situation? Well, like, Farmer's whole thing is that, like, he he doesn't particularly like being a warrior. Like, he's not that into glory. He's not that into, like, the... Like, Which is why he's so much better. Hero. He's just trying to do his best. And, like, that's why the whole Athelion thing is, like, Athelion isn't a glorious place to be fighting. He's doing... He's fighting in, like, skirmishes. Like, there's no great... Like, no one's gonna write a song about anything that he's been doing out there. So as far as Denethor is concerned, he's a failure. And, like, Faramir... Farmer just wants to do his damn job and, like, maybe make his dad proud. But at this point, he's internalized so much of that disappointment that he's, like, kind of just... He's given up on that, mm-hmm. but he's not going to give up on his city. I was going to say, I also... There's a huge impression that, like, the city loves Faramir. They love him. And they're like... Everyone loves he's Faramir. Our, he's a good boy. He's our homeboy. Like, he's yeah. gonna... It's like... It's like Obama, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Like, we all met, like, he was our homeboy, you know? Yeah. And we feel like a comfort God, I miss him. when we see even, even just like a tweet from him. We're like, oh, oh, what a good boy. We miss you. you Dad's know? still out there. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's what Faramir is like. And he's, he's the hero, was it the hero we deserve, but not the one we need? Is that it? 
He's is that the he's the hero quote? we need, but not the one we deserve. Because no one could deserve Faramir. Oh, that's true. One person could deserve Faramir. You're not there yet, though. <gasps> oh boy. Just don't worry about it. Wait. Don't worry about it. Wait. Don't worry about it. Wait. I think I've connected. So some anyway, dots. Faramir and Della. I think I've connected some dots. You didn't connect. You didn't connect. You didn't connect. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so anyway, Farmir and Denethor. They ha- yeah. So they're having this like really intense conversation, and then Gandalf jumps in and is like, "Okay, all right, let's let's calm down. Let's like not tell our sons that we wish they were dead. <laughs> if we can help it, <laughs> like let's let's all take a breath." And then Denethor like turns on Gandalf and is like, "No, you, you shut the f- up. We could have used this ring, and you sent it." With a fucking hobbit to to what is it called Mordor, where it is that it that's never gonna work. That's the dumbest plan that you've ever thought of in your entire life. How dare you? And also, I I I love how Denethor like contradicts himself here. He's like, "You sent our only hope into em- enemy hands," and Gandalf's like, "All right, well, what what would you have done with the ring?" And Denethor's like, and "I like, don't locked know." Locked it in a vault. <laughs> Except maybe used it, but locked it in a vault. Except maybe yeah. used it. Except locked it in a vault, but definitely would have used it. And Gandalf's like, case in Yeah, point. Gandalf said, yeah, so uh, Denethor is like criticizing what's bit, what's happened and criticizing that Boromir didn't come, didn't come back with the ring and that the hobbits took the ring to Mordor and all this stuff. And Gandalf asks him, well, what, what would you have done? And mm-hmm. or he says, OK, fine. Give me your two cents on this. And he says enough to perceive that there are two follies to avoid. To use this thing is perilous at this hour to send it into the hands of witless halfling into the land of the enemy himself, as you have done. And this son of mine, this is madness uh, or that is madness. Yeah. And he asks him, like, well, what would you have done? And Denethor just says neither, which leaves no other what. Yeah. What other options? And this is just like very intense back and forth, kind of kind of similar almost to what Frodo and Boromir were doing at the end of Fellowship, where Frodo is like, bro, you can't take the ring and use I know you I know that like you want to use it for good reasons, but like it doesn't work that way. It's, like the whole thing is that it's going to corrupt yeah. your reasons. Like it's not you can't I know you think that you're strong enough to overpower and you'll use it for good reasons and you'll use it to like defeat everything and bring glory to your land, but it's going to corrupt you and it's not going to be a good situation. And it's pretty much the same conversation. It is going to super duper backfire. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same conversation here with Gandalf and Denethor. But like, um, the, but like Gondor's whole thing is that like they've got this very insular pride now because they've been on their own for so long, and that's really exemplified in both Denethor and like by extension Boromir. Like they really do think they can handle it. There's like I've been I've been fighting this war my whole life. You know what can't I withstand? Yeah, because they can't they can't imagine like the scope of the Ring's power. So this is why, and this is controversial, but I don't care. Um, this is why I think that Boromir is a Gryffindor and not a Slytherin is because he is very loyal to his land and very protective. And like I said before, how he wanted to take the ring, not to have the power for himself, but he wanted to take it and save his land and his people. And 
I mean, that no, I think you're completely and right. And then you mix, but then you also mix in some of that, like, dumb Gryffindor jock energy in there. And that's, yes. that's why, that's why he's no, Boromir. You're, no, you're absolutely right. And then that, Faramir's that's not like. That's take for me. That's. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So I think that, I think that Boromir is like a Gryffindor with a little bit of like a Slytherin edge, like mm-hmm. just enough. Whereas Faramir is a Gryffindor with like a little bit of a Ravenclaw edge. Yeah, I was going like to say. Like you can look at the situation objectively enough yeah. to be like, mm, I, I feel this way, but I know that it's not right. Like I kind of, I kind of want to take this ring, but like, oh, the fact that I want to take it is not good. Yeah, I think Faramir is very much like a Hermione Gryffindor. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you've like covered this with anyone, but like, uh, you know, like Gandalf's whole sabbatical in Fellowship and <laughs> that like big time skip where he's out like, is it the ring or isn't it the ring? Because I'm pretty sure it's the ring. He spent a lot of that time in Gondor, like studying in their like libraries and their archives. And that was when he first met Faramir, when Faramir was a kid. And, like, Faramir ended up hanging out with him a lot, which is why Denethor refers to him as a wizard's pupil in this, because Faramir has a lot of loyalty to Do we, um, is this learned in the Silmarillion? No, the Silmarillion is a lot of backstory. I'm not sure where that crops up, but it's definitely, like, confirmed somewhere. Because, like... Like, I I, I don't know the chapter off the top of my head. That stuff, I think that stuff is really interesting, and I'm like, okay, but Tolkien, like... What? Because like, why did you the include thing that it? Infuriates me. That this is the thing that infuriates me about the series is that like he'll sneak those little like interpersonal uh, connections in there, but with none of the, the context. Whole, the whole framing of the story is that it's a history. Like this is meant to be taken as like the the record of a war, and it's a little more in- interpersonal than like most records would be because it's written from the perspectives of people most involved. But there are, like, big parts, especially the parts that the hobbits aren't involved in, that are completely skipped. So, or, like, very much glossed over, and, like, that's one of them. And it would have made it, like, so much more engaging, not necessarily interesting, but more engaging mm-hmm. to get more of that, like, that po- that political stuff that the hobbits don't necessarily have a lot of interest in, and therefore isn't really explored. Yeah. I think it also helps you to, like, connect with the characters more. Um, yes, especially characters like Faramir or Gandalf, who like, we don't really see a lot of and like, or with Gandalf, when we do see him, he's like, he's just being really extra and being mysterious yeah. and aloof. Well, because well, like all of the characters, pretty much aside from the hobbits are supposed to seem like these figures from legend to like, s- further juxtapose them to the hobbits who are like country bumpkins. And like, and that framing device is effective, but it does sacrifice, like, those those heroic characters as characters a little bit. So you have to, like, get into a lot of the subtext to really start seeing them as people instead of, like, historical figures, which is kind of how he wants them to come across. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so they have this crazy conversation. Um, and Denethor is able to... Even though Faramir, ne- yeah, even though Faramir never was like, oh yeah, they mentioned this ring that they were going to go destroy Mordor. He's able to pick up on that fact, and then they're eventually able to pick up that somehow they're able to pick up that they were traveling with Gollum because Gandalf talks about Gollum when him and Pippin 
leave later. Yeah, they've kind of like, they kind of gloss over Faramir's report a little bit, but I think Faramir's report covers like, yeah, they were traveling with this weird scraggly thing. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They, they went to they went to some, some weird valley. I don't know. One of my favorite descriptions of Gollum is in Two Towers and one of Faramir's men is like, yeah, I thought I saw something that looked like a large black squirrel without a tail. And checks out. Yeah. And I was like, beautiful, easy breezy. Nice. Cover girl. Um, (laughs) um, Maybe he's born with it. Maybe he was in a cave for 400 years. Yeah. Being corrupted by ancient evil. (laughs) An evil piece of jewelry. So they gather that the reason all of this battle is happening is coming towards them has nothing to do with Frodo and Sam because they realize that um, Frodo and Sam have probably gotten through because Sauron is turning all of his attention here. And so he's not paying as much attention to his own land, which uh, also is the same logic that Gollum gave them when they were like, this seems kind of dangerous and not a smart way to travel at all. And he's like, Gollum was like, they're they're not going to be looking this way. He's looking other ways because he has other battles to do right now. And yeah, because like no one, no one in their right mind is going to sneak into Mordor. It's Mordor. Like, don't it's like it's like sneaking into Chernobyl. <laughs> like someone might do it, but like they're gonna die. So like, why, why would he have checkpoints set up? Like he's he's really not thinking that anyone is going to be yeah. trying to get past his like enemy lines because who would be dumb enough to do that? <laughs> and then the answer is to. two hobbits and a weird frog. <laughs> and then we just and then we just hard cut to Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. Like, oh god, what? Are, what <laughs> this is awful. What have, I hate this. What have we gotten ourselves into here? <laughs> um, and he tell and Pippin asks him, like, so is there any hope at all that what they're gonna do is actually gonna work? And Gandalf is like, I mean, maybe, but but who knows? It's you know they have they have as good a chance as any of us. Um, and so then they go to bed, and the next day. Oh wait, 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 wait. Side note: Has anyone gone over the name Kirith Ungol? Oh, Sirith Ungol. I think yeah. it's Sirith. What about it? I, either way, so there's the all this dread surrounding this past yes Uh, there's like no one knows exactly why it's so creepy but there's something there's something messed up up there like even faramir i think in two towers like warns them like yeah there's there's some dark unspoken dread we know not what it is sirithangol means pass of the spider oh but that makes a lot more sense given what we know about a certain gluttonous ancient evil Spider Queen. Yeah. And like, and you know, God love Faramir, but like, he speaks Sindarin. He like, that's, it's like with medieval lords who like spoke Latin. Like he, he know he knows the language. It means pass of the spider, Faramir. What the f*** do you think is up there? Why spiders? Why can not we follow the butterflies? Well, the other thing that he says when he's talking to Frodo and Sam about this is that like, oh, I can't believe you're going that way. Like my my men will 
Like, based on what we've heard, like, legend and everything, none of us have gone there. But from what we've heard from stories, it's not, don't, don't, don't do that. So I wonder if, like, yeah. the old the old stories that they've heard and have been passed down from this place are about Shelob and about, like, men who went there and were, like, well, and came back are, and they're, like, there's like, a f***ing big ass spider in there, man. <laughs> Well, I think, like, no one ever just comes back alive, or if they do, it's because they did not run into Shelob. But, like, also, it's called the Pass of the Spider. Like, you're, you live in a world that is known to have giant evil spiders. If there's a place called Pass of the Spider where people die Look. mysteriously all the time, you can pretty much guess <laughs> what's going to be lurking up there. Look, these men are men, is my reasoning for that. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> They need every, so Pippin, so Pippin every and Gandalf. Group, every group needs a Hermione. And when you don't have the Hermione, things like that happen. Yeah. You know? You know? Just bring bring bug spray. That's all I'm saying. Bring bug, <laughs> bring bug spray. Um, so, yeah. So Pippin and Gandalf. Um, where is it? Yeah. So they wake up and or Pippin wakes up and things have already like been set into motion since he has woke like while he was sleeping there was a meeting with uh just as the council let's see the what yeah so i guess the council of gondor or whatever yep and tolkien just casually slips in this character called the prince with no oh, yeah. further explanation doesn't give him a name never met it just said what of Kara Andros said the prince that too must be held if Osgiliath is defended and then he's mentioned like a, maybe one or two more times in this chapter of like the prince rode off to fight I know him I know him um this is this is one of those esoteric things I think he turned up earlier like around the time Pippin arrived in the city but this is the prince of Dol Amroth which is another one of Gondor's cities on the coast and he's like, uh, I think that I think that Denethor's wife was like related to him somehow. So he's Prince okay. Imrahil, but it's like it's like a principality type prince. Okay, I was like I was like he's not like the son of a king. I was like, since when the f did Minas Tirith get a prince, <laughs> and where has he been no, all it, this time? Yeah, no, it's it's the much more like general sense. Got of, it. Like, Got it. Yeah, like like okay. the princes of uh, Renaissance Italy. Like it, like prince is the highest rank that you're going to have. You're not going to have a king, but you're higher than a duke. So got it. Great. Be, be content. Um, but yeah, that's Prince Imrahil. So in this conversation, they're talking about which sides. Uh, surrounding them need to be for pretty much all of them. Pretty much is, yeah. is the gist yeah. of it. But like, well, well, which ones need to be fortified more? The most, yeah. all of them. So. It's Sauron, <laughs> so all of them. But they send Faramir and his crew down, I guess, south to the river in the Pelennor. Mm -hmm. I don't know where the Pelennor is, except the south. Pelennor is like the Pelennor is like the. This is my understanding. I haven't like looked at a map. Um, but it's the okay because the like, map doesn't help you at all because there is really nothing doesn't. labeled the Pelennor on the map. So, so the Pelennor is like the floodplain of the river, sort of between 
Gondor and the Anduin, which is like Osgiliath is on the Anduin. So like that's where the pass like across the river is. So they're trying to defend Osgiliath because that's where all mm-hmm. the bridges are and they don't want the orcs getting across the river. Because um, then they're going to like come onto the Pelennor and attack. The Pelennor, I think, has like a lot of fields, like a lot that's of what um, I was like farms and kind sh- of imagining. But it's all been a ev- it's all been evacuated at this point. Like they know that this is coming. Like everyone is either inside the walls or has been evacuated to points beyond. Um, so the Pelennor is, like, where this battle is taking place, and it's just, like, the floodplain around Gondor. Okay, that's kind of what I was imagining, but I wasn't yeah. sure. Anyway. Again, this is all from Pippin's perspective, and he has none of this context, yep. so yep. he's as confused as you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as Faramir leaves, the, uh, like, town says, The Lord drives his son too hard, and now he must do the duty of two for himself and the one that will not return. So that's just, like, more evidence of, like, the town loves Faramir. Denethor fucking hates him. (laughs) As he leaves, Gandalf is, like, very out of character and is like, Hey, hey, Faramir, I... I know that your dad's hard on you, but deep down, maybe, maybe like real, real, really, very, very, really very, very, deep very deep down. down. <laughs> he loves you. Yeah. Okay. So like, dude, I don't try not to get killed because your dad does love you. I don't want to spoil any part of the movies for you because they're such an experience. But these, these couple of scenes between like, like Faramir and like the war council and Faramir and Gandalf are played almost word for word in the film and they are oh, I gut-wrenching <laughs> i love it when they they when hurt so bad <sighs> i'm so excited to watch the movies anyway um dude oh, you're gonna love them where is it which so as we're recording this yesterday was the one year anniversary of the tweet that i did that started this all which was i tweeted podcast idea um i read lord of the rings for the first time and it's called That's What I'm Talking About. And my f- and get- previous guest who has been on and my friend Bethany come- replied and was like, what? How have you never seen or read Lord of the Rings? How do you not like the movie? And my review of it was like, it's slow. Nothing happens. And I don't remember anything from it. And like, given what I remember, given from like reading Fellowship, I'd say that's also a fair assessment of like it's slow and not that much happens in it. Here's oh god, you're here's the thing. You're not completely wrong there. Um, but the way that the movies are paced, like now that you've read the books, the movies are paced so that they're much more exciting. Yeah. And a lot of stuff like a lot of the stuff that you know you'll talk about in these chapters of like you didn't need to do this more than once. In the movies are like, okay, we'll only do it once. Yeah. Like, that's what like we don't need this. That's what this I've heard extraneous. about like Two Towers and Return of the King is that they do yes. a lot better job of setting up that pacing. Um, they are still long as f- in the don't get me wrong, but once you have like the context behind the books and like you have all of that now, like you know what's going on and who's who and like what their personal connections are, everything makes a lot more sense and is much easier to follow and is much more entertaining. And you get like all of the sets and the costuming and the design, which itself gives so much texture to this world mm-hmm. and really does all of these long sweeping descriptions justice 
in a visual format so you don't have to read 10 paragraphs <laughs> about the woods. I know, right? Oh, great. Um, I'm gonna, um, I gotta go pee real quick. Okay, potty break. And that is also where we are going to end this week's episode. I know what you're thinking. What? We're only halfway through the chapter. That's because this is just part one of part two. Um, so here is past Mary Clay with a nice microphone and the credits. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about that by going to WBNE.org. And you should listen to Bacon and Eggs, the podcast that started it all. And here's more about that right now. Howdy, Yokes. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Hill. And we host Bacon and Eggs, a movie lovers podcast. It's the most roll your eyes, I've seen it before concept for a show. But with new hosts, I promise. Each week, we sit down together and watch a beloved movie. We start by looking at some critical and concrete points and let our conversation flow from there. We've covered all sorts of movies, from Jaws to Little Women. From the Lego Movie to the Lego Movie 2. From Marvel to Star Wars. From Back to the Future to Back to the Future Part 2. And tangents from our frustrations with fast food. To discussing our fear of the Mighty Loon. So if you want a podcast that makes you laugh, download Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. With new episodes available every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, and now on WBNE.org. Ghostbusters 2! I, I, my, my hope and dream was that you would say that. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishon Brandon. You should support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can also join the Facebook group. It's open to the public. You do, however, need to answer a question just to prove that you're not a robot. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram, MCTurnDownForWhat. And you can also support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. This week's sponsor is Katie Knight. Katie, thank you so much for your continued long support of the podcast. I appreciate it a lot. And I hope you're doing okay. I hope, I mean, I hope all my listeners are doing okay. But this is a personal, hey, I hope you're doing okay, specifically for Katie. There's also a new way that you can support the podcast. You can do this by getting a super Super shout shout out. out. I feel like I should make that an echoed sound effect. This is a message that I will read out, a one-time payment, and I will read out this message on the podcast. There are options for actual people, individuals, and then also options for businesses. So let's say that you want to tell the world that, you know what, you don't think Cursed Child is actually all that bad and everyone else is just hating on it unnecessarily. You can do that with a super shout out. Um, Maybe you are a business who delivers candles You have a candle delivery business and you want to let the world know about it. You can do that with a super shout out. So go to WBNE.org to learn more about that. Yes. So come back next week for part two of the Siege of Gondor. It's a great chapter. Like, holy cow. It's genuinely a fantastic chapter. Um, It's got a lot of heft and it's, it's great. It's great. I keep thinking back on it with like the same fondness I would a really quality cheesecake. I just, I'm just like, mm, that was a fantastic cheesecake. I, I wish I could experience eating that cheesecake again for the first time. Like, what a great cheesecake. Um, so come back next week for more cheesecake. And that's what I'm talking about. Okay, bye.